0: Oh, good morning. Once again, this morning, we're going to continue on our within our sermon series going through the book of Acts. And today we're going to be talking about fraud and forgery. Now, these are some things that are very present in today's world and have been around for ages. Every day we see stories in the news and we hear from someone we know about how maybe their identity has been stolen. We see commercials and ads that promote software and different companies that can protect our identity to assure us that nothing like this could ever happen to either you or I. We experience this as well within social media. People are always having their accounts hacked or fake accounts with their names, their profile pictures or other pictures created by complete strangers or an enemy. We even see such things as fraudulence within the church where people act more spiritual than what they really are. They'll put forth their best efforts to seem biblically proper to those that they attend church with or those that they see within the community on a regular basis. But then when they get behind these closed doors, their true character comes forth. And eventually their true character is brought to light. It's a fake faith that's shown by those who look to gain power and prominence within the church or their communities. And I remember while growing up, we would hear a certain statement that was used in different circumstances, but we heard it quite a bit. And that was, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? This, of course, means you can talk about what you do and make it sound really wonderful and extravagant. But do your actions say the same thing? And how dangerous are these individuals that possess and display a faith that is false? How dangerous are these people that they talk the talk of a strong Christian faith, but they fail to walk the walk and attempt to deceive others for their own personal gain? And how should we as God's children react when this occurs? When we look into the scriptures in the early church, we can find a situation that provides a very good example of this spiritual forgery, beginning in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and it goes through chapter 5, verse 11. You see, it's here that we read about a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira and the dangerous position that they put themselves in. The scripture reads, beginning once again in chapter 4, verse 32, in the book of Acts, it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, from whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, how wonderful is this gift that this man named Barnabas has given to the church? I mean, can you imagine? Here we have this young church. That is thriving. People are committing their life to Christ left and right while the apostles are testifying about Jesus and his resurrection. They are selling their possessions to help anyone that is in need so that nobody goes without. Now, I don't know about you, but this would be difficult for me. I mean, can you just imagine selling your house, selling your vehicles, maybe some land, Selling all of your prized possessions that you've worked hard for all your life and then giving what you made off of that to those within the church that are in need, not holding anything back. Many times in today's world, we're hesitant to do this in helping others, especially when it comes to finances. We're afraid of being taken advantage of people taking the money that we have given them to help them out and maybe watching them use it for the wrong things. This presents a fear within all of us, and it's tough to trust every single person. But here in the early church, they are trusting one another and they're trusting God. They are a spirit-filled church that's full of generosity that can be labeled as self-sacrificing by selling everything that they had. They're helping out those that they know very well, and they're helping out those that are complete strangers to them. So the church is strong at this point, this young church. They're doing God's will for the church, and they're not thinking twice about what they're doing. But then something happens. And we see a change, and that comes in chapter five. The scripture says, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was not the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Have you ever been called out for doing something wrong? It's a very, very uncomfortable position to be in. And here we can see this happening to Ananias. Peter knows that Ananias is up to something. And with strength from God, he is able to call out Ananias. Now, can you imagine being in that room at that time and seeing all of this happen? It had to suck the air just right out of the room when everybody's trusting one another. And here we have a church that is is—it's growing so rapidly. Everybody's looking out for each other and taking great action to do so. And here walks in Ananias and willingly goes against that trust. So let's look deeper at what is happening here and concerning Ananias. How is he sinning? I mean, he's sold his property and he... Gave some of the money to the church to help others. What's so wrong about this? I mean, it's his property. The money that he collected from this transaction is his money, correct? So what's so wrong with this? Nothing is wrong with selling the property and giving a portion of the profit to the church. But the thing that is wrong here is how Ananias lies. Remember, all of these people were selling their belongings. They're giving to the church. And Ananias sees what's happening. He sees that a man named Barnabas just sold a piece of his land and laid the money at the feet of the apostles. And this intrigues Ananias. Because Barnabas, as we know, goes on to become a leader within the church. Hmm. So this really grabs Ananias' attention because he has seen... What is what can happen? And he also sees how he can be seen now as a great man. Possibly gain some power within the church while making a little bit of dough for himself also. It's a win win, right? I mean, he does what is good by selling his land. The church gets some of that money. He gets some glory from doing so. He rises in social prominence within the church And also gets to go home and relax, knowing that his bank account is well off after all of this happens. This is terrific. He wins. The church wins. Everyone is happy. And nobody will know. Right? But someone does know the truth. And that person is God. Because there are no secrets from God. So not only is Ananias lying to the people of the church, he's also lying to God. We have in this situation, Ananias deceiving those around him into thinking that he is holy and generous, but really he is fully engaging in hypocrisy. And after Peter calls him out, we read when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. Can you imagine just the shock that is happening right now while people are watching this happen? How many of you as a child ever witnessed one of your siblings getting in trouble after doing something they shouldn't have done? And then after watching the discipline that they received, you thought to yourself, well, I'm never going to do that. These people are witnessing here how serious... This sin was. They had to wonder also, is there really or is this really that big of a sin? This guy just sold property. He gave a large amount of money, a large chunk of what he made to the church. What's so wrong about this? But Peter saw what it really was. And we see this in verse three when he states, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? Do you ever rate your sins? Do you ever compare your sins to the sins of others? We may think, well, what I did isn't as bad as what others have done in the past. It's not like I murdered anyone. What I have done is not near as bad as what so-and-so's done or did. Nobody's going to find out, right? Those statements are some of Satan's most favorite words to hear from the mouths of Christians. All sins are serious. All sin separates us from God and goes against his will, no matter what it is. And Satan loves it when we compare our sins and look at the ones that we have committed and we just shake them off as not being very serious. He loves that. He always tries to make it look like our lives will be better if we commit even the smallest of sins. But that is never true. And we have to remember that Satan is the king of lies. And even if we get or if he can just get us just to commit the smallest sin possible, he celebrates. It may look like a big deal or not look like a big deal actually to ourselves, but I can assure you that to God it is. So Ananias lies to God. He's struck down dead right there and then buried. But then here comes along his wife, Sapphira. It says about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? You can only imagine what people are thinking as they sit around waiting for her response. And she says, yes, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. So within just a couple of hours, two people have come before Peter, the church and God, and they have lied. Verse 11 continues by stating great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Two people are dead and both have fallen in the same place and immediately after lying to God. It's here that we can see that God is trying to tell this young church something. He was very pleased by the church early on and how everyone was selling their belongings and helping out one another and how. He is showing his thoughts on those who are hypocrites within the church. Oftentimes when we go and share the gospel with others, we hear about why so many don't attend worship on Sunday mornings or why they don't come to a relationship with Christ. And that reason oftentimes is because some who go to church every week and participate, whether it be in worship or committees, and they promote their connection to the church can be labeled as hypocrites. They're the one person on Sunday mornings or they are one person on Sunday mornings and then a complete different person when they leave worship and they exit out the doors. And there are many who commit this spiritual fraud, whether it be members of a church. And even pastors or leaders within the church, as much as it breaks my heart, these things do happen and they scare others from outside of the church so much that they refuse to step foot within a church building ever again. Hypocrisy is one of the most dangerous things that can happen within the church. Especially when the leaders of the church can find themselves committing this sin as well. Hypocrisy has destroyed so many churches and ministries before, and it continues to do so to this day. And back back then, we can see how it was affecting the church when Jesus was walking the earth. In Matthew 23, he calls... Everyone out about it. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. He continues in verse five. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Satan uses the same tactics over and over again to tempt men and women to sin because he doesn't have to change his approach. He doesn't have to because we usually fall for it the first time when he comes forward with these temptations. He did so in the Jewish church. And here in Acts chapter five, we see him being successful in bringing in hypocrisy to the new young church that Christ has just established. And it might look like God is just being an angry God by killing Ananias and Sapphira, but in reality, he is protecting This infant church, he saw this one coming a mile away and stopped it dead in its tracks. And for everyone who was there to see it. He was sending a message. Ananias and Sapphira's faith, which started off probably good and with some good intentions, became fake when they saw what Barnabas received. They wanted others to see them do this miraculous deed. And they wanted to gain power from it. Maybe they wanted their vote in congregational meetings to carry a little bit more weight to it. Maybe they wanted their opinions to be considered more than others' opinions. Have you ever known someone who did a good deed and expected recognition for it? I can tell you that in my 35 years of life, I've seen many good deeds done by others. And I've seen some give large amounts of money for good causes and and. They want to make sure that nobody knows that that good deed was done by them. Unfortunately, though, I've also seen good deeds done by those who long for the attention that can come afterwards. Christ warns us about doing good deeds and then bragging about it, and he does so in the first four verses of Matthew chapter six. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Or are we doing these things for ourselves and for our own glory? So we have to look into the mirror to find out what our motivation is for doing these good deeds. How do we deal with this? We share our struggles with others. This, believe it or not, strengthens the church. One of the hardest places to be in is when we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and we hear about how everything Is going good all while we might be sitting back thinking to ourselves how hard our struggle might be at that time. It makes you almost want to crawl into a hole and hide. And after all, everyone else is doing so well. And here we are looking at our own humility in the mirror, right in the eye. But let's look at Paul. He writes in the scriptures many times how he was a sinner He planted churches. He helped others come to Christ. He had a lot to brag about, but instead he knew that he fell short of the glory. Now, we all should remain humble in our ministries. But we should also know where our strength comes from and who that strength comes from and belongs to, because at times we can fall into a gap of being too hard on ourselves as well. I remember talking to God when I was feeling the call to come into ministry. I remembered my sins. I remembered that I wasn't a perfect person. And I used that as an excuse when praying to God about his call on my life. I wasn't pastor material. After all, I thought pastors had to be perfect. And they never made a mistake. And I remember one night praying on the back patio at our house that we lived in at that time And telling God, I am not perfect. Look at my past and I know I will never be perfect. And I remember the very next thing that he said to me. And that was, that's why I'm calling you to do this. Let me show you what I can do. And I tell you now that I'm here today in this position because of God and God alone. Pastors are not perfect. Never forget that the person in the pulpit needs Christ just as much as the person who sits in the back of the sanctuary. When we serve God and we walk within His will, we must remain focused on Him and not place any glory on ourselves for our own gain. Now, how do we as a church respond to fake faith or hypocrisy that we see within the church? We first confess our own flaws. This needs to be done from the least active member of the congregation to the very top leader of the church. We must show humility. We look into the mirror and we take it very seriously. When someone is not firm in their faith and shows hypocrisy, we must confront it. We don't do it from up here where everyone's around. We do it one on one or two on one first. We saw in the Jewish church all those years ago, hypocrisy and how it destroys the church. And God takes it very seriously. We see this in how God dealt with Ananias and Sapphira. Having hypocrisy within the church is one of Satan's strongest tactics that he deploys within God's children. And we know by what we read about here in Acts. That it must be stopped. Because when those who are hypocrites rise in the church. It takes a bigger toll on the ministry down the road when those sins are brought to light. We have to lean on God and His guidance to call those to lead our congregations and our churches that will remain humble, that will lead by example while also looking at our own flaws and sins and confessing them to one another and then repenting of those sins together. We can quote scripture. We can come to church every Sunday, and it's no secret that actions speak louder than words. We can talk like faithful Christians, but do our actions and honesty reflect a heart that has been transformed by God? Anyone can talk the talk, but are we willing to end the hypocrisy in our own hearts and walk the walk? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we stand humbly before you today to confess our sins, to look into the mirror and see just how much we need you and your handprint in every single area of our lives. Help us confront the hypocrisy that can enter into your church as well as the hypocrisy that lies within our own hearts. We need you, God. We need your forgiveness. We need your strength as we walk down this path and help us honor you in every single thing that we do. And give all the glory to you as well. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen.